Thank you, choir, for leading us in worship. And uh, again, we welcome you all to uh, our celebration worship service. I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell, and it's exciting to be with you as we head into this week coming up. And as uh, Eric and Stacy already set up, this last week is uh, a big deal, and uh, it's almost overshadowing Christmas in a way for some people, because everywhere you look, it's Star Wars. It's all about Star Wars. In fact, Eric and his family, I should throw a picture up next, next hour of he and his family went to the premiere this last uh, Thursday night, I think it was, and they were all dressed up in that garb that he had, only had the full outfit on. And he's just a fanatic about it because he, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I understand he wanders around his home constantly saying, Grace and Ella, I am your father. And it's just getting irritating after a while, so hopefully it gets it out of his system. But uh, Star Wars is kind of a big deal uh, as you look around and there are these people, there are these opposing sides that are going after each other. Uh, that's the Star Wars I remember seeing of Harrison Ford and his friend. And uh, yeah, there's a name for it, but anyways, it doesn't matter. And, uh, th- but there is a battle that is going on. And what I, what I like about it, how relevant it is for us this morning, is not just that it's culturally f- a big phenomenon going out there, but actually it's an illustration that helps to lead us into where we want to go today. Because Star Wars is all about this battle between good and evil. And so we're going to talk about a battle or a war a war between those who are good and those who are evil, and we're going to talk about a star that leads us into that war of good and evil. See what I'm doing there? All right, thank you. I just wanted to make sure you're as equally as impressed as I was as I thought about it this week. And so where where does that lead us? It leads us to Matthew 2. Here is the star wars and the opposing sides of good and evil. Let me read Matthew 2, familiar account to many of us who have been in church many of our years of life, but here it is. We want to take a fresh look at it, and when God gives us amazing stories like the Magi following the star in the east, it's a great historical account. It happened, but it's more than that. It's an account of how God leads, how God provides, how God works. And when you see a text like this that is awfully familiar, there are principles of application that God wants us to follow as well. So keep that in mind. In Matthew 2, 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. This is Micah. This is 700 years before. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, 
report to me so that I too may come and worship him. And we know that that's just pure hypocrisy. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And the two opposing sides are the Magi and King Herod. I put on the back side of the outline that's available for you in the bulletin that you will find will make your listening pleasure a whole lot better. But on the back side, a little bit of facts about Herod, this king. He is a brutal man. He had something like ten wives. And he killed one of his wives because he got displeased with her. Then he killed his two sons. Then he killed the high priest who was his brother-in-law. So this guy is a ruthless murderer. He is the one who rebuilt the temple that Jesus would have gone into. And so he did some significant work. One of the reasons that people didn't like him is because of his high taxation to continue his building projects across the land. And he wasn't even Jewish, and that so did not endear him to the Jewish people. He was an Edomite that comes from Esau as opposed to Jacob, where the line of Christ came through. And then the Magi, they come from a land, maybe we know of Iran, Iraq today, Gentiles probably, but they were smart and intelligent, and they studied the Word of God. In fact, even in the days of Daniel, Daniel oversaw some of the Magi in those days, the wise men, Daniel too. And many of those Magis would study the Scriptures. In fact, there were pockets in Babylon where Daniel was. This is like 600 years before Jesus. When Daniel was in that territory, he oversaw the, these Magi, and they would study the Scriptures. There were pockets of Magi, of Jewish Magi, who would study the Scriptures and astronomy. And these are the men that God has led them to, Jerusalem and then Bethlehem. And the time is not during the birth of Jesus and all of our beautiful nativity scenes where we have the Magi standing there watching the shepherds watch the Jesus. Well, the Magi came many months, if not a year later, because Jesus is no longer in a manger in a cave of sheep. He's actually in a home, so they actually found a place to live. And so as they come and they visit him, we see a lesson, a life lesson of those who, like the Magi, continue to seek what counts in life. And the first principle I observe from this text and why it is increasingly relevant for us today is that we need to humbly seek after Christ and his light to guide our lives. And that's what we see in the Magi. It's so basic. It says in Matthew 2, 2, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. God loves to bring creativity to his direction in our lives. He doesn't do it the same way all the time. In fact, one of the things that God loves to do is to create the stars of the heaven to lead us, to guide us. Psalm 19 says, the heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. God has created his world to be a means of communication to us, to speak to us for those of us who have hearts who are willing to listen. One of the two great formations of the stars that God created is called Orion. What's one of them? And you can see the configuration of this uh, prince who was, he was taking the lion. 
And these are stars that remain in place constantly. They don't rotate. They don't move around. They have a position that has been there since the beginning of time, as I'll show you. And then another uh, star uh, formation is Pleiades. And there, there's this formation that you can study, and they remain in place constantly. And one of the fascinating things is that God says, I made those things, and I recorded the very first book of the Bible. The very first book that has ever been written was the book of Job. It is the oldest book in the Bible. And Job, commenting, can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation at season and guide the bear with her satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heaven or fix their rule over the earth? And God is saying, these I have placed, these I have named. And throughout history, they remain even to this day of those recognized formations of the stars. Amos also, 2,800 years ago, he who made Pleiades and Orion and changes deep darkness into the morning, who also darkens day by into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name. These are means by which God is revealing his glory his creativity. For those who have a heart to hear, a mind that is open, a submission to truth, God will reveal to those individuals His ways. And so God brings a star from the east, and sometimes God leads by those circumstances. It says in Proverbs eight seventeen, 17, uh, speaking of wisdom that is a personification of who God is, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. God sometimes leads through circumstances, through creation, through the issues of our life. I'm trying to think of, of a way that God has done in my life. I, I can think of a number of them, but I want to replay one that I shared with you a long time ago. Maybe five of you will remember this. But many years ago, when we were living up in livable, lovable Lodi, I had this car called an MGBGT. And I, think I pulled that home. A friend of mine helped me pull it home when we lived in Corona. And it was scrapped. So I literally changed the inside and the outside, had a paint job put on it, and it really looked pretty good. So I'd been in and out of that car completely, and it was a daily driver. And I remember a number of times when I'd drive up to Sacramento because you, that's where people would go to the hospital in those days in Lodi. And I kept on driving, and I was getting so groggy every time I would go to Sacramento and drive back, which is about 30, 40-minute drive. I couldn't figure out why. I was I just, well, I, need a, I need more naps, I thought to myself. And then there was one day I was sitting in the car and just kind of cleaning it out, and I reached my hand underneath the driver's seat, and I felt something soft and furry, and I pulled it up, and it was a dead mouse. I screamed like a little five-year-old girl. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, unless you're base. And I looked at that little mouse and I thought, how in the world did that mouse get into my car? And so I got underneath, and I've been in and outside that car, the seats in and out, and new carpet, the whole thing. But I looked inside, and I pulled up the carpet, and lo and behold, there was a hole in the floor of the car. I thought, where'd that come from? And as I looked through the hole in the car, I looked at the exhaust pipe that runs right underneath that hole. And I looked at that exhaust pipe, and there was a hole in the exhaust pipe. 
And what I was doing is I was asphyxiating myself. The exhaust is blowing right up through that little hole, right up into the car. And of course, I don't have air conditioning in that thing. You roll up the windows, and it is miserably cold up there right now. Don't go to Sacramento right now. You got the Thule fog, and it was just a miserable time of the year. And so all this exhaust is literally blowing up into the car, and I could have died. I could have passed out. I could have crashed in Galt somewhere. You know Galt. And so, uh, yeah, Linda knows Galt. She lives in Lodi. And so these are tragic things. And so I look back at that. I think about that poor little mouse. And he gave his life for me. Because he was right there by that hole, breathing in that exhaust. And he died in my behalf. I'm not trying to be slight about the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. But I think if I hadn't found that dead mouse... I might have been next, right? And I look at that, and you think, well, that was an amusing, kind of interesting story, Dave. But when you look at all these things, and you just go back in your life, and you see where God's hand directed through circumstances. And I didn't make that decision. I didn't buy that home. I didn't purchase that car. I didn't get that job. And I look back, and I say, God, thank you. That was a good thing. At the time, I didn't understand it. But God, thank you for leading and directing in my life. So God uses like the star in the east to the wise men. God uses our circumstances as well. And you see it throughout history. You see it in Scripture. We could go countless stories like that. But God also leads and primarily leads through Scripture. One of the scriptures that the Magi would have seen is Numbers 24:17 that Daniel would have had from the Torah, from the writings of Moses. They would have been written. That would have been part of the text that they could study. In Numbers 24:17, I says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. The Magi are looking for that star, that star that was prophesied by Balaam way back when Moses recorded that. That's the star they're looking for. They knew to go. They knew that there would be a star coming out of Jacob. And so God then showed them that star some way, got their attention. God loves to lead in His Word. Psalm 119, 105, the Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Psalm 119, 31 says, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord, do not put me to shame. That word cling is my favorite Hebrew word. Many of you heard me speak of it before. Who can say it first? Debak, debak. It's like uh, as, as a... Uh, a wife leaves her mother and father and clings to her husband. I cling to God's Word. And it's used in Job of, of skin clinging to bone. And so I want to immerse and cling to God's Word that He would lead me. Now let me illustrate that. I'm going to invite Nathan Horrocks to come on up here as he's going to help us remember what we're talking about right now. Let's give Nathan a hand for coming on up here. Good to have you here with us. Nathan, come on up here. Tell us how old you are. Eight. Eight. How old do I look? No, don't answer that question. All right. I'm just kidding. You're thinking, though. You're thinking about it. I see that. Okay. And uh, what grade are you in? Third. Third grade. Well, good for you. What school do you go to? Loma Vista. Loma Vista. Well, that's just around the corner from where I live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, okay, all right. Well, Nathan, we're glad to have you here. And uh, we've talked before, and the light 
of God's Word leads us, so we're going to have a light that's going to lead you. And as you walk in obedience to that light, God will provide. God will bless. So let's take the light on, and Nathan, let's find the light. Where is the light? The light is... Um, I think, there it is, there it is, follow the light. Uh, okay. <laughs> Good for you, Nathan, you're doing a great job. Um, head towards the light, head towards the light, there you go. There we go. All right. We're going to exhaust him by the time this is done. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Come. Yeah. All right. Whoop. It's, yeah, I'm as confused as you are, Nathan. So go on ahead. <laughs> so, and, uh, all right. Yeah, there it goes. So over that direction, into the center aisle, and into the next aisle all the way over as he follows the light. And he runs uh, straight ahead, and the light leads him as he walks in the light. The word is, uh, and he, oh, oh, no, oh, uh, and up, and up, the light goes, and, and off to, oh, the other direction, there, there we go. And, uh, the, the, and what do you find? Where, where has the light led you to? It's a Christmas tree. What's usually underneath a Christmas tree? All right, come on over here. Let's see what you found as the light led you. <clears throat> so what is that? Ooh, what, what is that? A lightsaber. A lightsaber. You think that works? You know, oh, look at that. All right. That's fun. Do you have brothers and... Sweet, huh? Yeah. It even has good, very cool sound effects as well. So isn't it a good thing to follow the light... And when it's God's light, it's perfect all the time. So you're going to walk in the light of God's Word? Yeah. You bet. All right. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks. Now, I can't wait for church to be over so you can go and play with that. I would think that. That's what I would do. All right. The second thing that I notice is, you know, as you're led by the light, what Scripture is teaching us here, I want to have a heart that is humble, listening to the Lord, His Word, His circumstances, He guides me. But there are people that get in my way. There are circumstances. In Matthew 2, 3 through 8, Herod is that person who gets in the way. He is that negative force that is taking place. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inspired of them where the Messiah, he inquired of them, I should say, of where the Messiah was to be born. This is a phony request because he is fearful. There are people that get in the way of our journey. What I love about this story is that it reveals that even as the Magi are obedient, obeying the word of God, they, it's realistic that there are people like Herod who fear the rule of Christ, who are obstinate to it, and they want to derail those of us who want to seek the light. And it's a warning to you and me that there will be people like Herod that will get in our way who fear the rule of Christ and want to do all that they can to derail us in our pursuit of it. 
And as children and as college students and as high school students, we need to be aware of the disturbing, troubling nature. It says he was troubled. Troubled means to fear God. It means this idea of falsely disturbing others. In fact, that same word for troubled is used in Galatians 1. He says, only there are some who are disturbing you, and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. There are many today who are disturbing the, the faithful who are trying to seek the light of Christ. And they're distorting truth. They're distorting the Word of God. They're distorting the gospel. And I'm not going to let a Herod stand in the way of obedience to God's Word. Then there are the chief priests and the scribes, those that refuse to seek the obvious truth from God. Herod goes to the chief priests and scribes. They quote to him Matthew 5, 2. They know exactly where the Messiah is going to be. They knew it was prophesied by Messiah 700 years earlier that Jesus may be born in Bethlehem. They know the truth, but they don't respond to the truth. They have all this truth, all this light, but they don't do a thing with it. And I'm concerned for those of us who are so immersed in God's Word that we don't do enough with it. We don't respond to the truth we have. Whereas the Magi have very little truth but took a life of obedience to pursue it, these chief priests and scribes had tons of truth. They had education. They were intellectually sharp. They memorized the Torah. They knew the Bible as it was in those days. But they did nothing in responding to it. And my fear is that we have many people who come on Christmas, and maybe all your life you've been learning and hearing and knowing these stories, but no extra steps are ever taken to pursue the truth in obedience to God. That's troubling. I fear that I could be that way. I fear many of us could be that way, where the chief priests and scribes knew so much and did so little. There are many of us who know so much but do so little in responding to the light of Christ. Don't let the proud skeptics get in the way. Respond to the light. And then finally, or thirdly, I should say, keep walking in that light. Notice after they met Herod, they went on their way, the light again reappeared. This light in the east, whatever it may be, be it a star or be it the glory of God. And Matthew 2, 9 and 10, after hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the, Christ, where the child was. They did not fail to continue to obey God. As God reveals to us, as God unfolds to us his truth, I need to continue that journey because there will be bumps along the way. There will be Herods and chief priests and scribes. There will be those people that want to derail me. There will be sense of defeat. There will be misleading. There will be deception as these people portrayed it by Herod to the Magi. There will be those that want to stop my journey. And even it might cause my heart to, you know, fail at times. But I need to continue the journey with the light of Christ. One of the great stories I read just last week, last, I think it was the last Saturday, it was a Heisman Trophy. And the, it's the best football player in the world. And that best play, player, the Heisman Trophy, rewarded last week was to Derek Henry, plays for Alabama. Look at some of the things he said while on TV as everybody watched him get this tremendous award. He says, I want to talk to the kids that are looking and watching this on TV today. Always keep God first. Always pray. Don't be afraid to pray. He always hears your cry. If you have dreams, go chase them. And God will be there every step of the way. I'm a living testament, man. 
I never thought I would be up here, but God is good. And I get on my knees every night and thank Him for everything. So keep God first. Always pray. Always chase your dreams. In a very simple way, He's communicating that no matter what, keep pursuing the the God and the truth of the God that we worship. And that's an allegiance. That's a platform that God gives us. Because we follow the light, it doesn't mean we're going to win the Heisman Trophy next year. But the principle is the same. I'm going to show you this great verse, Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Now let me take you to another sport. Let me take you from football to baseball. And I know if you're not a sports addict like I am, it can be a little irritating. But I want to show you one of the greatest plays in the history of baseball right now. Daniel Nava. Here is Daniel Nava who was called up today from AAA Pawtucket. Hit 294 with eight homers, 38 runs batted in. He was a former team manager at Santa Clara. Out in Northern California, undrafted and played collegiately there. But a part of a great story is Daniel Nava. Bases loaded, nobody out, and there's a drive, hit deep to right field, way back, and it is gone into the Red Sox bullpen. How about that? A grand slam homer for Daniel Nave in his first major league at-bat. You have got to be kidding me. Wow. And the Red Sox have taken a 5-2 lead, and they are going to pummel 27-year-old Daniel Nava in that dugout. A grand slam home run, and the last Red Sox player to hit a home run in his first major league at bat. You have to go back to 1946. All right. Now, some of you are saying, Dave, I didn't come to watch baseball on Sunday morning. And I say, well, I'm sorry. But uh, I'm going to invite Jeff come on. And Kim, I don't know if you're going to come up here as well. Let me show you how these things connect. God doesn't just sort of happen chance do things. I believe that God is sovereignly at work. And because Daniel, I'm just called up from AAA baseball. He is the only second man in the history of baseball to hit a grand slam on the very first pitch he saw in the big leagues. That's a big deal. Well, Daniel Nava then gets a contract, and he's signed by a major league baseball team, played for the Red Sox and some other teams as well, and God blessed him with those major league contracts. Now, because of that, here's the rest of the story. Daniel Nava is a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. He follows the light, and he walks in the light. And Jeff, tell us a little bit about... Uh, this, I'm sorry, Jeff and Kim McKee. I assume everybody knows who you are. I spoke of Jeff and Kim a couple of weeks ago. You might remember how they prayed and God provided. Well, God's still working, and they're still walking. They're still seeking God's will as Jeff works with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and looking for that support to provide for them. So tell us a little bit about that situation with Daniel Nava. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Dave. It, it's kind of cool just to go back and see this thing again. So... I think um, I hopped into Daniel's uh, journey uh, within the game of baseball when he was low A, um, just signed, and uh, just having him approach us and say, hey, can, 
can you manufacture a baseball bat for me? And this was when I was working for Trinity Bat Company at the time. Um, he said, this company over here wouldn't sell me a bat, um, but I've heard good things about you guys. And so that's how we met. Um, and then kind of just following his journey and kind of hearing his story and the teams he got released from, the teams that he didn't make. And it's like his persistence uh, in answering, I think, the call, uh, the calling that God put on his life. Um, so I was in, a sh in our shop in Fullerton manufacturing a bat for him, um, which it was that, not exact bat, but that same model um, that he used for that first pitch, grand slam home run. Um, and so that there is a Trinity bat in the Hall of Fame. A All right. Bob, a Trinity All right. Bat in the Hall of Fame, so buy really a Trinity cool. bat if you want to hit grand slams. Yeah. They, they do not all the time hit grand slams. Oh, shoot. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it is, uh, it, it's not the Indian, it's the arrow, right? So it's, it's never the, it's never the, right. the, the player's fault. Yeah. Anyways, Daniel allowed, um, allowed me to step into his life uh, within the game of baseball, um, which has led to us coming on staff with Fellowship Christian Athletes and being 100% support-based um, and... Uh, taking us to uh, a dinner at our house and sitting down and just praying for support um, and praying, thanking God for what he's doing, thanking God for the support that he's already provided. Um, and then uh, while I was praying for the food, Kim was praying this on her own. This is just last week, right? This is last week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. While I was praying for the food, Kim was praying on her own um, just for something big, for God to show up something big. Kim is always, always Kim's prayers is asking for the big stuff. It's always Kim. I think mine hit the ceiling. <laughs> Kim's go past the ceiling. Um, so yeah, um, we ate uh, that night and then we went back to check um, my email. I noticed when I started doing the dishes and I checked my email. That prayer was at six o'clock. Uh, Daniel Nava went online to my support page, to our support page, and donated at, at 6 o'clock um, and took us from basically kind of starting out to 35% funded, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and it's, it, it blows my mind because God allows people's paths to cross and to collide. Um, and here's a calling that God put on his life, a calling that God has put on, on, on our life as well, and how he can empower these two people um, to, to have a, a huge impact on the kingdom. I'm super excited. Uh, and for those of you that are, are not Red Sox fans, because I was not a Red Sox fan, um, still not, but can I, can I tell them? Yeah, go. Cool. So Daniel Nava, uh, just a couple days ago, signed a major league contract with the Angels. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he's excited, we're excited. Um, you know, we just see a lot of ministry in the, in the future with Daniel Nava and his, his testimony, uh, his story, um, and his, his support as he steps forward on the baseball field. All right. So Jeff and Kim, continue to walk the walk, follow the light of Christ, and God continues to provide in ways that you would never... That grandson was like five years ago, and that boosted him into the big leagues, and here he is with the angels, and it's like God has just got his fingerprints all over the story, just like the Magi. And so thank you, Jeff and Kim, for your faithfulness to the Lord. And when God does great and mighty things like that, He loves our response. We come and respond in worship. 
Notice what the Magi did. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They continued to obey the leadership of God in their lives through his word, through the star. And it says, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these three gifts, we don't know all the story behind why they selected those, but we can read into a little bit that the gold is reflected. They're coming to worship the king. They saw his star in the east. They knew it was a king. The Herod knew it was a king. He was threatened by this new king. And they came and they brought their gold, and that became the means by which, just like Jeff and Kim, Mary and Joseph could continue to live and pay their way. He, they became their supporters, if you will. They responded with frankincense, and they knew that he was from God, and he would have the fragrance of God. And we should have that fragrance, for we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. As we live the life of obedience, we carry that same fragrance as well. And then they brought myrrh. Myrrh reflects Christ's humanity. Given at his birth, celebrated at the wedding feast of Song of Solomon, and then anointed on his dead body as he died for you and me. And as we accept his death in our behalf, as we re-seek his forgiveness for our sins, as we yield ourselves to the light of his truth that I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, Jesus died for me, he rose from the grave so I could rise after death to heaven as well. As I follow that light, I will be blessed. I will be rewarded. And we come and we worship the God who came in our behalf. I'm going to invite the choir to come up here. I'd like for us to respond in worship. I'd like for us to respond in even generosity of our spirits and our hearts and our attitudes to say, God, you are the God. There is no place else that I would go but you. And I want us to be like the Magi that says and recognizes that He is the one who is controlling all things in our lives. And wherever you're at in that journey, you may be still facing down Herod. You may be like the chief priests and the scribes, and, and you're refusing to budge from the truth that God has given you. Or you may be like the Magi who are being rewarded and blessed beyond anything you could ever think. Whatever the circumstance, God wants to continue to lead and direct our lives. And we invite you into this worship. We invite you into this response. We invite you to know the God who wants to rule, guide, and provide in your life as well. So let's worship this. I ask the choir to sing this great psalm. It's Psalm 8. And it's such a worshipful psalm that acknowledges the glory of God and the majesty of His name and lets you and I like the Magi, worship this mighty God who wants to continue to work in and through our lives.